Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello. Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Friday, August 5th, 2022, the 562nd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. In addition to being able to stay up to date on the podcast, you will get the writing as soon as it's available, blasting right through the paywall. And you can subscribe for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode. So if you want to support me and the work I do, you want to support this show and its growth, that's the way to do it. So let's get started. I haven't started the show with a song in a long time. So here we go. On the seventh day of Jovid, the fake president gave to me a monkeypox state of emergency. Hey, that's right. It is the seventh day of Jovid, round two. Just an important reminder, the fake president, Joe Biden, tested positive for COVID two weeks ago. He has had his two mRNA shots, we are told. He has had two mRNA boosters, we are told. Nonetheless, he still got COVID. 
because the experimental gene therapies don't work. Then he took Paxlovid. That was surely going to rid him of his COVID, but Paxlovid also doesn't work. Paxlovid by Pfizer from the people who brought you the experimental gene therapy and from the people who brought you COVID-19 itself. But Paxlovid didn't work because it doesn't work. But what it can do is give you something that they're now calling rebound COVID. And Jovid 19% among independents has tested positive for the China virus for the seventh day in a row. And in the meantime, he's had Nancy Pelosi flying around the world, conducting foreign affairs. So as you can see, things are going really well. I just wanted to make sure you had that status update. And let's get into the real stuff. Carrie Lake has been announced as the winner of the GOP primary for governor in Arizona. The media has decided that Carrie Lake now has won. Are there still tens of thousands of votes out there? Yes. They're still only reporting 90% of the vote, but apparently they've decided that it is not mathematically possible to put Karen Taylor Robson ahead of Carrie Lake. And so now the race is officially over as determined by the media. There are still two Trump endorsed candidates in Washington whose races have not yet been decided by the media or by Washington state that basically just declares the results to be whatever they want. And so we'll have to wait on those results for however long Washington state decides before we can officially say that Trump's night on Tuesday was a clean sweep. But at this point, with the Kerry Lake race in the books, Trump had a night of magnificent victory, even if Joe Kent and Lauren Culp aren't named the winners by Washington state and the media. It was still a fantastic night for Donald Trump, and it can't possibly be the night that the media was wanting or expecting over the couple weeks leading up to Tuesday night. All of the mainstream media outlets put out articles with headlines like these. I'm not going to read them all. Primaries in key swing states test Trump's influence, endurance of false 2020 claims. That's NBC News. The Washington Post ran an opinion piece. Trump's angry, vengeful purge of GOP enemies faces a crucial test. Also, the Washington Post. Today's primaries are a test for progressives and for Trump. MSNBC. Arizona primaries to be a key test of Trump's power. The Hill. Arizona puts Trump's political influence to test. And you've got ABC, CBS, PBS, Yahoo, Axios, all of these outlets declaring that Tuesday night's primaries were going to be a test of Donald Trump and the MAGA movement. And let's assume they were right about that. Donald Trump and the MAGA movement came through with flying colors. And as I was saying yesterday, this seems to be some sort of final stage for the election fraud apparatus in America as it stands now. I don't know what they are going to do to combat this, but I do not expect them to simply go quietly into that good night. So for the next 95 days until the midterms are through, we're 
We're going to have to have our eyes on everything. But because it's Friday and because it's so much fun, let's get a taste of the media meltdown. And of course, we have to go to Morning Joe. In the state. Look, what at, that. This look, says. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. Yeah. that there's a whole <laughs> lot of crazy right that, there. That's, uh... Election deniers, insurrectionists, weirdos, freaks. You've got it all, really. You've got a variety of candidates for the Republican Party in Arizona, all of them extreme, all of them insurrectionists, all of them uh, people who actually don't believe in American democracy. They believe in their form of government where, well, you only recognize elections where your side wins. And this is what folks on the far right have been working on for quite some time. What this says about Trumpism and the future of the. So as always, thank you to the War Room team for watching Morning Joe so I don't have to. They were talking about Carrie Lake, Mark Fincham, Blake Masters, and Abe Hamaday. These are the people who they're saying are some of the most extreme politicians to ever enter races in American history. They're so extreme just because they want election integrity. Election deniers, weirdos, freaks, and insurrectionists. That's what they think about people who don't just take the media's word for it and take Katie Hobbs's word for it, that elections are automatically free and fair. We saw what happened in 2020. We saw them stop counting votes on election night and then start again in the middle of the night with these impossible spikes for Joe Biden. We've seen them threaten people who wanted to look. We've seen them use lawfare to make sure that no one could look. We've seen Supreme Courts rule that the elections were illegally held. We've seen audits showing that hundreds of thousands of votes had no chain of custody, that records meant to be kept for 22 months were deleted last year. We've seen elections take days or weeks to count. We know about the funding. We know about the drop boxes. We know about mail-in ballot abuse. We know about ballot harvesting. We know about 2,000 mules. We have expert reports that the machines are totally vulnerable to hacking and manipulation and are online. We've seen CISA, the agency that in 2020 said the election was the most safe and secure election of all time, come out. And report on the report. You can't see the original report. You can only see CISA's report about the report. And CISA's report about the report says the machines are extremely vulnerable, but that there's no evidence that they actually were manipulated. And for knowing all that, while watching Joe Biden pretend to be president while having the greatest number of votes in history, By far, he should be the most popular president, but instead he's the least popular president. And over 80% of the country understands that he's destroying our society and ruining the lives of American citizens for years or decades or perhaps generations. But to actually say any of this, to admit any of this, well, that makes you an insurrectionist and a weirdo and a freak and an election denier. 
Morning Joe and Morning Mika aren't out there proving these people wrong. They're saying everybody knows these people are wrong. And then they are literally name calling and attaching these names to this set of extremely reasonable and evidence-based ideas so they can tell all the child brains in the audience, if you go and believe this stuff, you're going to be a freak and a weirdo and an insurrectionist and an election denier just like them. So don't even think about it. Imagine what everyone is going to think of you if you even consider that these freaks and weirdos might be right. So precursor, those things are a precursor to, to what happened in Arizona. I mean, you, you talk about, I've got to say, you, you, you talk about extremes. And I think the Arizona Republican Party, the rank and file selected, uh, again, the most extreme slate of candidates probably in modern American history for election deniers, for people who, despite all of the federal courts, all of the Trump appointees, all of the Trump Supreme Court justices, uh, all of the Republicans up and down the line who have said that this election uh, was legitimate. All of the people who worked in the Trump administration who said this election was legitimate. Um, that the Republican slate of candidates this, this fall, insurrectionists, freaks, weirdos, really, really extreme, the most extreme slate of candidates in American history, the repetition, freaks, weirdos, insurrectionists, election deniers, extremists, extremists, extremists. Don't you understand? Even other Republicans know that the election was the most safe and secure election. Even some of the people around Donald Trump say it was the safest and most secure election. They all know that Donald Trump lost. Everybody knows that Donald Trump lost. And if you don't know that simply on the basis that there's absolutely no evidence anywhere that Donald Trump lost, well, you're an extremist and a freak and a weirdo. Hey, Joe, just audit the elections and prove us all wrong. If you want to end the whole election fraud movement and Show the world that we are all freaks and weirdos and insurrectionists and extremists. Just audit all the elections and prove to us that Joe Biden actually got 81 million real legal American votes. This could have been easily done in the two and a half months between the election and Joe Biden's fake inauguration. That would have been no problem. And then we all would have just gone quietly away. How come you can't do that, Joe? I mean, we're freaks and weirdos and extremists. Surely we must be among the dumbest people in the world, right? Because if we're not, that would mean you are. And that's not possible. So come on, Joe, really let us have it. Really take us out once and for all. Just prove that Joe Biden got 81 million real legal American votes. I mean, you believe it. Surely you'd be willing to support that, right? Why aren't you the first person out there asking for election audits to quiet down all of the freaks and weirdos and extremists? 
Yeah, and some of those in Arizona, not just casual election deniers. Mark Fincham, the nominee to be Secretary of State, was at the Capitol mm -hmm. on January 6th. He was at the Stop the Steal rally. Carrie Lake, the nominee for governor, has adopted the language of election denial. She was a different person, of course, a couple of years ago when she supported Obama. An Obama, Obama. supporter. Yeah. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. Um, but she now says, yes, I have evidence that their uh, 2020 election was rigged, except I'm not going to share it with you because you're in the fake news. So she keeps saying she's got oh. evidence but won't share it. But that's sort of beside the point because now the four of them are on the doorstep. They're one step away, one election away in Arizona from being in positions of real power where they could have, if they'd been in place in 2020, they could have done something to change the outcome of the 2020 election. They could have flipped votes. Wait a second. You're saying that if Carrie Lake was the governor in 2020, and Mark Fincham was the secretary of state and Abe Hamaday was the attorney general and Blake Masters was the senator from Arizona in the 2020 election. They could have flipped votes. They could have stolen the election from their position. I mean, what? I was told that's not possible. Or is it only that the freaks and weirdos and extremists would ever steal an election? And leaving that aside, how are they going to flip votes? Can that happen in the machines? Is that what Willie Geist, who looks like an adult baby, is describing? I mean, to do that, you'd have to have all of the election workers on your side, right? And that wouldn't be possible because all of the election workers are on the other side. No one in the world would ever believe that Stacey Abrams hired a bunch of MAGA election workers through her employment firm, Happy Faces in Georgia. Ruby Freeman was not MAGA, nor was her daughter, Wandria Shea Moss. And there were no MAGA extremists in those positions in Georgia, so surely no one would have ever flipped votes in favor of Donald Trump in 2020 in Georgia, but you're telling me that if MAGA people were in those positions in a state and the election workers were all MAGA, they could have flipped votes and made sure that Donald Trump would win. So, hey, Willie, you man baby, isn't it at least theoretically possible that if people wanted Joe Biden to win and not Donald Trump, they would have had the same ability to steal the election and even flip votes. Is that what you just told me? Because now I'm confused. And you're saying that they want to be able to steal elections they wouldn't otherwise win. They want to say elections are stolen in case they lose. But they won and they're still saying that elections are stolen. Well, that's crazy. What do they believe that elections can just be stolen no matter who's in office, even if it's somebody on your team? That would mean that our elections are just not that safe and not that secure. And maybe American citizens shouldn't trust them because what they're really trusting is that no one in these positions of power is ever corrupt. And that might indicate that maybe our system is not as fortified as you all have spent the last two years telling everyone it is. 
And you shouldn't go too far down this road because then people might remember how you spent years before that saying this thing, that elections aren't that safe and aren't that secure and could be stolen. I was sure after two years of listening to Morning Mika and Morning Joe call me names that elections must be safe and secure no matter who's there. But now we're being told that Mark Fincham can somehow flip votes. How is that even possible? But that's not even the most confusing part. You're telling everybody that Carrie Lake used to support Barack Obama. You're telling communist child brains in the MSNBC audience that Carrie Lake once liked Barack Obama. So she was good back then, but her lust for power is so great that she latched on to Donald Trump and started saying elections are stolen just for power. That doesn't make any sense. You've been telling us that MAGA candidates are the weakest, and that's why Democrats are even supporting them. And Carrie Lake doesn't even have the Republican establishment behind her. So how is going full MAGA and talking about election fraud a good strategy for acquiring power? Well, once you've taken all that other stuff off the board, you're kind of admitting that voters want candidates to do exactly that. Now, maybe this makes a lot more sense than I'm giving Willie Geist credit for. I don't know how big the brain would be inside the head of a man baby, but I guess it's possible that there is a galaxy brain behind those beady little eyes. Draw a direct line to even some of the politicians we're seeing now um, in Arizona, Carrie Lake, just cravenly lying about the contours of our democracy and how to behave in it. If you want to be in a democracy, pushing lies, pushing conspiracy theories, hurting people, just loving hurting people. It is repulsive because it's money. disgusting. It's money and it, and it wins votes for, it hope, is hope, for hope and change. Carry. It, yeah. You know, it, it, hope and change. Carry uh, decided to to adopt. Uh, Donald Trump's lies because hope and change Kerry got tired of being an Obama supporter and thought her best chance of getting elected would be to stop being hope and change Kerry and start being stolen election Kerry and you know it worked in the primary process Kerry but but perhaps these lies for rapists Kerry perhaps these lies will 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 be called a bill of rights for rapists Kerry what does that even mean What does that even mean? I genuinely have no idea what she's talking about. And I think that I probably am in the upper 1% of the 1% who think about the narrative on both sides all the time. It's basically the only thing I think about. And I have no idea what she's talking about. Bill of rights for rapists? If that wasn't... So incoherent, I would say that maybe it's slander and Carrie Lake should sue her for that. But who cares? Mika is saying that Carrie Lake is enjoying hurting people with her craven lying. And craven basically means that you're afraid you lack the courage to stand on your convictions. And she's saying this about one of the claims 
There is a set of claims that can immediately get you in a lot of trouble in our culture over the last two years. The election fraud claims might be at the very top of that list. But Carrie Lake has gone after that and said it to everyone who will listen for a year and a half now. And you can call that many things, but Craven doesn't seem to be one of them. But once again, you have repetition, you have repetition, you have repetition. See how that works? Now you know what we have. You just said repetition. Well done. And why is she repeating that? Well, that is a word that child brains don't really know. And you got to trust me on this. I was out amongst them for 15 straight years, four to seven nights a week, Hollywood people all around me talking about all sorts of things. Plenty of those nights, I had political conversations with people and I listened to them as they told me the exact same things I had already seen on TV. They like to use these new words because they think that whoever they're talking to doesn't know the meaning of the word and will take their word for it. This is one of their signaling tactics. They use these little pieces of vocabulary to tell other people, hey, I'm using a word you don't know. Therefore, I know what I'm talking about. And they will repeat the slogans they just saw on TV. Carrie Lake is craven. Carrie Lake is craven. That's what they're going to go out and say to people this weekend. They're going to say it's just... It's just, it's just craven what she's doing. Now, if you hear that word cross the lips of any child-brained communist in your midst this weekend, ask them what craven means. And I imagine that they will try to derive the definition of craven from that context. It has something to do with lying and it has something to do with election denial and it has something to do with Carrie Lake. That is going to be the basis for their explanation of what craven means. So give it a shot. And hey, listen, maybe some of them actually know what craven means. And if they know what craven means, then ask them. How is it craven to say something that you genuinely believe is true while that thing is also something you can get roundly punished by almost everyone for? How is it possible that that is craven? Riddle me that, Kami. And nothing is funnier, by the way, than the claim that Carrie Lake just loves hurting people. That's why she's doing this. Hey, Morning Mika. Who is Carrie Lake hurting? She might be hurting you and your husband, Joe, who left Congress under very hazy terms. And she might be hurting the man baby. And she might be hurting MSNBC's business model and CNN's business model, which are already honestly bleeding out. Is she hurting Zbigniew Brzezinski? And the project of globalism your father devoted his life to? Is that what she's hurting? Is she hurting George Soros and the World Economic Forum? Is she hurting the corporate leaders of the corporation that pays you and the corporations that put their advertisements between segments of your propaganda newscast? Who is Carrie Lake hurting? Oh, I remember she's hurting the abstraction of our democracy as communicated by 
a bunch of communists. Thanks, Mika. Could not be any higher. Uh, couldn't be any higher, especially in these races where you have election deniers uh, who are, are running. I, is it an overstatement? I don't know. I mean, I'll, I guess our viewers can decide whether it's an overstatement to say to say that uh, our form of American democracy is at risk if we start electing people who deny election results when their side loses. Yeah. I mean, that's where we are. So you, you don't want to overstate it. You don't want to be hyperbolic. Uh, but but it's dangerous. But 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 <laughs> yeah, I, I so much is at stake uh, this fall when you have these people who are insurrectionists or who supported the insurrectionists or, you know, uh, you've got the Republican gubernatorial candidate in Pennsylvania who showed up uh, on January the 6th and, and again, talks the language of insurrection, it talks mm-hmm. the, the, the language of election denial. Uh, it's, it's anti-democratic. You don't want to overstate it. You don't want to be hyperbolic. But the stakes could not be higher. It's dangerous. You have insurrectionists and extremists and freaks and weirdos and election denialists. And they're getting everybody's votes. That's going to destroy democracy. Isn't it strange that they believe the millennia's old concept of democracy can be stolen simply by the people not believing that the powers in place are accurately counting their votes? Is that the biggest threat to democracy or is the biggest threat to democracy the people in power not fairly and accurately counting the votes? I mean, Willie Geis just told us that if these people get in office, they can steal elections. And he's also telling us that these people will only accept election results when their side wins. But who's really doing that? And aren't you destroying democracy, Morning Joe and Morning Mika and the man baby? When you tell us that if these people are elected by the voters, then they can go out and steal elections? I thought we were supposed to trust the results of elections no matter what. I thought that was the most important thing. I thought that was the way to prevent ourselves from ever being called election denialists and insurrectionists and extremists and freaks and weirdos. Guess I was wrong. Maybe the man baby really does have a galaxy brain. And I have to wonder, why don't they just have Carrie Lake on their show and say all of this to her face? Like, why don't they just have her on and address these concerns with her? She'd go on. She's taken all sorts of contentious interviews up to this point. She's not scared to go on Morning Joe, but they won't have her on because they don't want to disseminate her message for her. That's what they'll say. They don't want to give her a platform. But why not? She's an extremist. She's an insurrectionist, an election denialist, a weirdo and a freak. Surely having her on would expose all of that to not only the child brains in the MSNBC audience, but all of us. We would all see the clips. Carrie Lake gets obliterated by Morning Mika and the man baby. Why don't they take that opportunity? Again, they could just end the whole movement in 
a snap of the fingers. Give her 10 minutes on Morning Joe. Work her over like you know you can. And then just end her campaign on national television in front of everyone. That'll save Katie Hobbs from having to debate her. They are probably trying to figure out ways right now to prevent Katie Hobbs from debating Carrie Lake. And they may say, I could actually see them doing this. I could actually see them saying, we don't want to give a platform to election denial. And if they don't go that route and Katie Hobbs actually decides to debate Carrie Lake, you can anticipate any number of natural disasters or false flags or power outages in the studio right before the debate. Because there's no way they're going to let Katie Hobbs be dismantled by Carrie Lake in front of a national audience. Now, one of the other stories they've been pushing in the wake of Tuesday's primaries is that John Gibbs was put over the top. He beat Peter Meyer on the strength of that money that Democrats injected into the race at the last minute. They bought ads in favor of John Gibbs because they wanted to face the very weak MAGA candidate. And you got to remember, everybody knows MAGA candidates are the weakest, even though they just had a clean sweep of the elections on Tuesday night. They're saying there's something illegitimate about John Gibbs's win because of that Democrat help. But also, if MAGA candidates are so weak and the best move for Democrats is then to support the MAGA candidates in the primary because they'll have an easier opportunity to win in the fall. How come so many Democrat donors are supporting Liz Cheney in Wyoming? Liz Cheney is the new hero of the left because she's going to be the one that finally takes down Donald Trump. But that's strange because you would think that they would want a Democrat to win in Wyoming for like the first time ever. And that's totally possible because of the weakness of the MAGA candidates, right? I mean, everybody can see that Joe Biden is the most popular president of all time. Maybe this is their opportunity to finally turn Wyoming blue. Why aren't they going for that? Instead, Democratic donors are voting for Liz Cheney and the Democrat Party is encouraging Democrat voters to switch their registration so that they can vote for Liz Cheney in the primary and get Liz Cheney to be the nominee in Wyoming. And I know, I know it's because Michigan is a purple state and Wyoming is a red state. So the strategy might not work as well there. There's still so many Republicans there. But is Michigan really a purple state? Not according to the 2020 election. And it won't be according to the 2022 election either, except for election fraud. Now, I know you can't demand consistency from communists. It's kind of built into the system that nothing makes sense. And because nothing makes sense, they're always required to give convoluted and complicated explanations for exactly why the thing that makes no sense actually does make sense this time. And it's probably my problem. You know, I'm an extremist and an election denialist and an insurrectionist and a freak and a weirdo. I don't have a galaxy brain inside my man baby skull. So 
it's possible that I'm just not capable of understanding the intellectual level at which communists operate. I can't get my way through the convoluted and complicated explanation and then realize that because it's convoluted and complicated, it must be true because people better than me decided it. Gosh, life would be so much easier if I just understood that they knew it's true and that I didn't have to look because they've already done the work. Now, if you thought the man baby had a galaxy brain, check this guy out. This is Ron Filipkowski. He has a Ukrainian flag in his Twitter name. So you know that this man is a hero and he's an anti-Trump Republican. So you know that he's very smart and very honest. He tweeted today, we all know Kerry Lake won by election fraud. And I'm going to have to take him at his word that he's serious because he certainly did not want Kerry Lake to win. Maybe he thinks he's being clever, making some kind of joke that's going to make people doubt Kerry Lake's legitimacy as the nominee. But either way, he's implying that election fraud could have happened in an election run by Katie Hobbs, which might lead you to ask, hey, Ron, if election fraud could have happened in this race run by Katie Hobbs, couldn't it have happened in other races run by Katie Hobbs? Are you saying election fraud could have happened at other points than this one? Because certainly you have no explanation for how Kerry Lake would have committed election fraud and won this election. So you must be saying that someone pulled a fast one on Katie Hobbs. But that can't happen because she's one of the best secretaries of state in the country. And that's why she's the Democratic nominee for governor in Arizona. That's why she's on MSNBC and CNN all the time. And if election fraud could happen in this race, run by Katie Hobbs, couldn't it happen in the midterm in November where Katie Hobbs is going to be running the election where she takes on Carrie Lake herself? I think you're reading off the wrong script, Ron. Now, next week, we've got Connecticut, Minnesota, Vermont, and Wisconsin. So we'll have plenty more election stuff to talk about. But for now, changing subjects without a segue. This is CNN this morning. Pentagon rejects D.C. mayor's request for National Guard to assist with migrants arriving in the nation's capital. Now, I don't think I talked about this on the show, but last week, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser requested National Guard support in Washington, D.C. to deal with the illegal immigrant problem that was springing up in the nation's capital. Illegal immigrants were being sent by bus to Washington, D.C., and that's not where they were supposed to go. They're brought over in the slave trade and then they're directed around the country to wherever they're needed. One of the places they're needed is not Washington, D.C. The last thing the people making these decisions want to see outside their homes is a bunch of illegal immigrants. I mean, some of them might be criminals and terrorists. Nobody's checking. They might all have covid. And it's horrifying to have people like that just invading your neighborhood, your pristine community. I mean, these are some of the wealthiest places in the country. You can't just have a bunch of illegal immigrants there. So Muriel Bowser wanted to call in the National Guard to help out. 
The Pentagon has declined Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser's request for aid from the D.C. National Guard to help with migrants entering the city by bus, according to a U.S. defense official. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin rejected the request because the Department of Defense has, quote, determined providing this support would negatively impact the readiness of the D.C. National Guard and have negative effects on the organization and members, the official said. The official said granting funding through FEMA's emergency food and shelter program is sufficient. We understand SAMU First Response has received grant funding through FEMA's emergency food and shelter program and has indicated that sufficient EFSP funds exist at this point to provide migrant assistance. So basically, the money's there. Handle it yourself. Bowser told reporters on Friday that she wants to continue to work with the Pentagon to ensure political considerations are not a part of their decision. So she's saying it's based on need alone. They have migrants flooding their communities by bus. People are actually sending them there without the mayor even saying it's okay. Can you believe anyone would do such a thing? And of course, you can believe it because the Democrats have been doing it at a rate of two million plus illegal immigrants for the last year and a half since the fake president was falsely inaugurated. The Democrat who has served as the district's mayor under U.S. presidents of both parties alluded to the use of the National Guard during the January 6th, 2021 insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, quote, Having the experience where the use of the D.C. National Guard was politicized, that puts the district in unsafe territory, she told reporters Friday. Now, if the D.C. National Guard was politicized in the lead up to January 6th, who was it that did that? Donald Trump approved of the use of na the National Guard so that they could come in and protect people and protect the Capitol for January 6th knowing that hundreds of thousands of people would be coming to Washington, D.C. to express their displeasure with the obviously and overwhelmingly fraudulent election. But Bowser herself and Nancy Pelosi thought that would be bad for optics. And you see, because of that, because Donald Trump offered the National Guard and made it so that Bowser and Pelosi would have to say no because of optics, that means Donald Trump politicized it. And Muriel Bowser knows that you cannot politicize these sorts of things. You wouldn't want to take into consideration things like personal safety. What's important when you don't want to politicize things is optics. We want to continue to work with the Department of Defense so they understand our operational needs and to assure that any political considerations are not part of their decision, she added. In a letter from the Department of Defense, Bowser said the Pentagon highlighted, quote, the concern about the open ended nature of our request and their ability to respond to it. The open ended nature of the request. Well, that's interesting. You might recall that just last year they had 20,000 plus National Guard troops guarding Washington, D.C. for two months with fences around the Capitol. They turned the city into a military green zone for two months, just an open ended kind of thing. They brought them in. They said it was because of the very violent insurrection. We would never want another very violent insurrection. So they had D.C. turned into a military compound. 
There was no further very violent insurrection, and there's been absolutely no violence from the MAGA side of things since that day. As usual, the only political violence in our country comes from the communists who use political violence as a tactic regularly and have for decades. But this particular request is not about political violence. It's about protecting Washington, D.C.'s residents from the illegal immigrants who continue flooding through our borders as part of Joe Biden's slave trade that he runs in conjunction with Mexican drug cartels. And normally that's not a problem, but it is when it's in Washington, D.C. So having looked at their letter, they appear to say a more specified request would help them understand our needs. Bowser added, I would love personally to see a more specified request. According to the office of Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott, more than 6,500 migrants have arrived in Washington from Texas on more than 160 buses. 6,500 migrants. That's a lot of people. Imagine how that's going to affect that community. And then you might imagine how it might affect a community like Uvalde, Texas, where they have basically multiplied that city's population by four with the addition of the exact same illegal immigrants. You also have to love how CNN only calls them migrants now. The city has facilitated the help of the Federal Emergency Management Agency with a $1 million grant, the mayor said at a news conference last week. Well, that'll probably solve everything. However, city officials and non-government organizations have been increasingly concerned about the pace of arrivals over recent weeks. The mayor's office requested to convert the D.C. Armory, Joint Base Bowling, Fort McNair, or other, quote, suitable federal locations in the National Capital Region end quote, into a processing center for the migrants. The regional welcome center established to aid the migrants in Montgomery County, Maryland, is at capacity, according to the request. I've asked for the deployment of the guard as long as we need the guard to deal with the crisis that we expect to escalate, Bowser said last week. The number of people crossing the border seeking asylum, we expect to only go up. And we need to make sure that there is a national response, not an ad hoc city by city, state by state response. So do you want the National Guard everywhere, Muriel Bowser? Is that what you're saying? Also, why do you expect the number of people crossing the border seeking asylum to only go up? It's already happening at a rate of hundreds of thousands per month. Are you asking Joe Biden to close the borders? And if not, why not? Last week, the Biden administration announced that it was going to help finish Trump's wall, but they didn't say that they were going to help finish Trump's wall. What they said is they're going to clean up the mess from the last administration by finishing the wall. And they said this time finishing the wall is not racist because they're trying to save lives, whereas Donald Trump was just trying to keep people who aren't allowed to be here outside of the country. You see, Donald Trump didn't have that cozy relationship with the Mexican drug cartels. In fact, he was trying to dismantle Mexican drug cartels, and he was trying to round up all of the members of MS-13 that have come through our border as part of this illegal slave trade. And Donald Trump also doesn't have the cozy relationships with the NGOs that run this stuff. They're not part of the government. They're just 
funded by the government. And how do they choose these organizations? Well, all of these organizations work with the United Nations broader global network. And that's how you know that what they're doing is done on behalf of everyone. Bowser also highlighted the differences in the situation in D.C. compared to other states. You mean compared to states since D.C. is not one of them. We need to ask the president for the use of our National Guard, which we know can be very helpful in these logistical matters, she said at the time. Well, how come you haven't asked him? I mean, the president is Joe Biden, right? You're the mayor of Washington, D.C. You're a Democrat right in the middle of Democrat Communist Central. This is your president. Why can't you just ask him? Surely he would understand the problem. And surely he would want to fix it. I mean, it's not like he created the problem. I mean, right? But here's a problem the fake president absolutely created. This is from The Federalist today. Report shows Biden administration run by former registered foreign agents. More than a dozen high-ranking members of the Biden administration previously worked as registered foreign agents, According to a new report obtained exclusively by the Federalist, the report was published by the Biden administration watchdog inside Biden's basement, itself a project of the nonprofit Transparency Action Fund titled Foreign Agents Lurking Inside Biden's Basement. The group's new report outlines the networks of at least 13 officials under President Joe Biden who were once paid to represent foreign interests and registered under the Foreign Agents Registration Act. That's FARA, the thing Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, and Joe Biden's brother, James Biden, have violated. Their prior clients range from Iran and Kazakhstan to Canada and Mexico. FARA records show White House Deputy Counsel Jonathan Sue's law firm paid out $30,000 a month to Mercury Public Affairs on behalf of the government of Kazakhstan in 2018. Biden's special assistant, Aaron Pelton, was employed with Mercury in the same year and worked on behalf of both Kazakhstan and Qatar, according to public government documents. In 2006, Biden's U.S. ambassador to Poland, Mark Brzezinski's public affairs firm, McGuire Woods Consulting, was paid nearly $140,000 over a six-month period by the Taipei Economic and Cultural Representative Office. Now, wait a second. Is that Morning Mika's brother? Yes, it is. As Americans experience one Biden-era crisis pile on top of another, the president's cabinet, spokesmen, and aides behind the scenes seem to put America last, said Derek Holly, the communications director for Inside Biden's Basement. It is instructive for Americans watching their needs take a back seat to know which of those officials inside Biden's basement have represented nations other than our own, yet now have tremendous power over their lives. Holly worked previously in Trump's Department of Transportation. The Foreign Agents Registration Act requires that anyone lobbying on behalf of a foreign client to disclose their business to the Department of Justice. Filings regularly demonstrate the extent of bipartisan corruption in Washington. As the Washington establishment sought to undercut former President Donald Trump, FARA enforcement kicked into high gear amid investigations into Trump officials such as Paul Manafort. Those efforts, however, highlighted how deeply entrenched foreign interests are in Washington, D.C., 
also ensnaring Tony Podesta, a top Democrat lobbyist and the brother of Clinton campaign chairman John Podesta. Manafort, Tony Podesta and Rick Gates failed to disclose their lobbying efforts on behalf of interests connected to former Ukrainian president Viktor Yanukovych. And Yanukovych was the man removed from the office of president in Ukraine after the coup that was staged in Ukraine brought to you by Biden associates, most particularly Victoria Newland. Yanukovych was replaced with Petro Poroshenko, who eventually ceded the position to the comedic actor. While the media focuses heavily on the very real problems of foreign influence among certain Trump associates, far less attention is paid to the damning connections shared by Biden officials. Attorney General Merrick Garland, the most senior of those listed, represented five international clients, including the Union Nacional de Productores de Hortalizas in Mexico, the government of Brazil, Viasa, previously known as Venezuelan International Airways, the International Commodities Clearinghouse Limited in the United Kingdom, and the International Telecommunications Satellite Organization. Biden advisor Anita Dunn, another senior official highlighted who returned to the West Wing in May, previously served the government of Ontario. Dunn had also voluntarily coordinated public relations strategy for disgraced Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein. While not an international client, the ex-movie mogul was convicted of rape in 2020 and was sentenced to 23 years in prison. Dunn was also reported by the Wall Street Journal to admire former Chinese dictator Mao Zedong as a favorite political philosopher. Other officials named in the report include U.S. Ambassador to Turkey Jeff Flake and U.S. Representative to the European Union Mark Gittenstein. Flake, who served a single term in the Senate from Arizona, previously represented Rossing Uranium Limited, a Nambian mining operation with connections to the government of Iran. Gittenstein worked for the Swiss headquartered food giant Nestle. Six other administration officials who were registered foreign agents include Robert Bauer, the co-chair of the Presidential Commission on the Supreme Court, Melissa Schwartz, the communications director for the Department of the Interior. Natalie Wyeth Ernest, counselor to the Treasury Secretary, Maria Fabiana Jorge, alternate executive director of the Inter-American Development Bank, Zev Carlin Newman, a communications advisor for the Domestic Policy Council, and Steve Ricchetti, counselor to Biden. While the report names 13 officials who were registered foreign agents before their tenure in the administration, the report is not exhaustive. The administration is actively working to conceal the identities of presidential appointees more than 18 months into Biden's first term. And that's pretty incredible, isn't it? The identities of presidential appointees. I thought this was the most transparent administration ever. Last month, a separate conservative legal group, America First Legal, launched a litigation blitz to unearth the names, titles, positions, resumes, salaries, ethics pledges, waivers and agreements of all appointees under Biden. In an interview with The Federalist at the time, AFL vice president and general counsel Gene Hamilton compared the effort to compile records of administration officials to ProPublica's Trump Town database, which made the same information of nearly 4,000 presidential appointees publicly accessible. 
people, you know, highlighted it and used it to try to write stuff up about people who were trying earnestly to execute President Trump's agenda, Hamilton said. Well, the same has not really been true for the Biden administration. And so this is about transparency. AFL's efforts are not connected to the database being compiled by inside Biden's basement. And this is roughly what you would expect when the fake president is one of the most corrupt and compromised American politicians in history, corrupted by and compromised by many of our foreign adversaries and plenty of other foreign countries around the world. Now, speaking of countries that have corrupted and compromised Joe Biden and countries that Joe Biden and his family have had corrupt dealings in, let's go to the biolab issue in Ukraine. I've been following this pretty consistently for the past few months, but no one has followed it more than BioClandestine. And he published a new piece in his Substack with the headline, Russian military declares Ukraine origin of COVID-19. DNC globalists created COVID. So let's see what the Russian military has to say. There was a new briefing from the chief of radiation, chemical and biological defense forces, General Igor Kirillov, on military biological activities of the United States in the territory of Ukraine. And as you'll know, if you've been following this story from the beginning, but you might not if you've only kind of heard a little bit about it, the Russian military claims to have recovered documents from biolabs in Ukraine proving all of these claims. They brought those documents and their claims to the United Nations Security Council. Half of the world's population, the representatives at the U.N. Security Council, representing half of the citizens of the world, went along with Russia's claims. They thought there was enough there to launch a formal investigation. The United States and its Western allies all being run by the evil twin factions in their country. They all said this is a conspiracy theory. There's nothing there. Yes, we have biolabs and yes, they have dangerous pathogens in them, but they weren't a part of a bioweapons program, certainly not one that violates UN rules. And they have consistently claimed that the documents are false, which is exactly what you would claim if you were caught dead to rights. The Russian military have been studying biological samples from surrendered Ukrainian soldiers, and what they have been finding is beyond disturbing. Approximately 20% of them carrying West Nile pathogens, which were being studied, quote, by the Pentagon as part of the Ukrainian UP4 and UP8 projects, end quote, suggesting that Ukrainian soldiers are being subject to involuntary biological experimentation and exposure to biological weapons think Nuremberg. In addition to carrying pathogens, nearly all of the surrendered Ukrainian soldiers carried traces of a wide variety of narcotics and opioids, including meth and codeine. Russia were sure to remind us of the Nazis' usage of methamphetamines in World War II. I covered this two weeks ago when the left-wing media tried to spin this reality as some sort of X-Men mutant conspiracy theory. No, they are just Nazis, and historically Nazis use drugs, particularly as an advantage in war. Russia goes on to cite that this methamphetamine Ukraine are using, pervitin, was also used by U.S. soldiers during Vietnam and Korea. It's designed to reduce the psycho-emotional burdens of war. 
However, an intended side effect is excessive aggression, which Russia alleges is one of the main factors for the nationalist Ukrainian forces displaying extreme cruelty to civilians and the shelling of their own people in Donbass. Ukraine are using mind numbing agents on their forces to make them more susceptible to carrying out heinous acts. And yes, those are big claims. But remember, just yesterday, we discussed the new report from Amnesty International that says the Ukrainian military is violating international humanitarian law by setting up military installations in civilian areas and that they have been responsible for the targeting of civilian areas and civilian infrastructure like hospitals and schools. Next, we find perhaps the most explosive slide to date, and he's including the screenshots of these documents. You can go to bioclandestine.substack.com if you'd like to see it for yourself. In which Russia finally comes out and directly accuses the U.S. of being responsible for the creation and release of COVID-19. What I have been saying from the beginning is that this all leads to COVID-19, which will be the nail in the coffin and the red pill that wakes up the world. And that remains to be seen. The backlash the U.S. are facing from Russia and the rest of the Eastern world is directly because the world found out the United States created COVID, specifically the DNC liberal globalists, as the Russians allege, not Trump. Russia clarifies they have record of over 16,000 biological samples, including blood and serum samples transported from Ukraine to the U.S., Georgia and European countries. The U.S. claims that all these biological samples would be used exclusively for peaceful purposes, but we can see that they were not. Russia then pointed to U.S. Congressman Jason Crow of the House Intelligence Committee who warned Americans about the dangers of giving their DNA to private companies, think 23andMe, for testing because, quote, there is a possibility that test results will be sold to third parties and the information obtained could be used to develop biological weapons targeting specific groups or individuals. Man, I hope they didn't do that with all those COVID tests they shoved up people's noses. Sounds exactly like what Russia have been alleging all along that the U.S. have been producing biological weapons to ethnically cleanse certain individuals of select genome sequences. I don't know about you all, but ethnic cleansing with biological weapons doesn't sound very democratic, but maybe that's just me. Russia says this activity gives reasonable cause to question U.S. military biologists in the emergence and spread of the COVID-19 pathogen. Russia cites. In May 2022, Jeffrey Sachs, a leading expert in the respected medical journal, The Lancet, and professor at Columbia University, the leading academic institution for global biosecurity, told a conference in Spain that, quote, the coronavirus was artificially created and is very likely to have been created using American advances in biotechnology. Take that in for a moment. Yep. Russia just accused the United States of creating and releasing COVID-19. But wait, there's more. Russia confirms the unnatural behavior of COVID-19 proves that this virus was not only man-made, but being constantly worked on and, quote, artificially fueled, end quote, via the introduction of different variants to different regions. 
Myself and many others have been leaning toward the idea that Wuhan was not the only origin of the COVID-19 outbreak. It was released at multiple labs around the world with different specially engineered variants designed to target people of the region with genome-specific COVID-19 virus. And one might just recall that in that whole COVID-19 phase that we had in the early part of it, we were told that COVID-19 is worse on black Americans. What does that mean in this context? The DNC globalists were using Ukraine as the home base for production of the virus, then shipping the genome-specific viruses to labs around the world to be released to ensure the virus infected the entire world. This is, from, this is cited from the Russian documents. According to our experts, this is evidenced by the uncharacteristic variability of the genome variants that cause different peaks in the incidence of coronaviruses, significant differences in lethality and contagiousness, uneven geographical distribution, and the unpredictable nature of the epidemic process as a whole. It appears that despite efforts to contain and isolate the disease, the pandemic is being artificially fueled by the introduction of new variants of the virus in a particular region. Russia goes on to directly accuse the U.S. Agency of International Development, USAID, of involvement of the creation of the new COVID variants, citing that they have been studying coronavirus since 2009 under Obama and that one of the main contractors for the project is the infamous Biden Biolab company, Metabiota, the main source of biological malfeasance in Ukraine. Again, citing the Russian documents. The implementation of the COVID-19 scenario and USAID's emergency wind-down of the PREDICT program in 2019 suggests the deliberate nature of the pandemic and U.S. involvement in its emergence. Russia believes not only did the U.S. create and release COVID-19, but they did so with deliberate intentions. And just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, it gets worse. In the third slide, Russia highlights the activities of Labyrinth Ukraine, particularly their vaccination of Ukrainian soldiers and collecting biological samples from them so they can develop genome-specific biological weapons. Citing one of the main contractors affiliated with Labyrinth is, once again, Biden's Metabiota. Russia also notes that Labyrinth Global Health have been studying coronaviruses and monkeypox. Again, citing the document. Thus, we see a clear trend. Infectious disease agents that reach the Pentagon's zone of interest are subsequently pandemic with U.S. pharmaceutical companies and their patrons, the leaders of the U.S. Democratic Party, as the beneficiaries. Back to bioclandestine. Russia just said the DNC and U.S. Big Pharma are intentionally causing pandemics to win elections, giving serious legitimacy to Anand's overall thesis about COVID-19 and 2020, and giving legitimacy to my thesis that monkeypox is the next bioweapon released intentionally by the deep state to attempt to steal the 2022 election with mass mail-in voting. Now, I don't agree about bioclandestine's assessment there, and it does not fit into my overall view of what the pandemics were actually all about, especially when it comes to monkeypox. But I am open to the idea that bioclandestine is right and I am not. 
either way, these are massive claims. And if they prove true, there's something interesting about the dynamic we have seen from the people continuing to claim that the Wuhan virus originated with a bat or a pangolin in the Wuhan wet market. They consistently denied that COVID-19 came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And if this is correct, there's some sense in which that might not be true. It could have partially originated there. That outbreak could have originated there. But it's also possible that outbreaks originated in other parts of the world from other labs and other lab manipulation. Now, there's no better way to end the week than with a message from Klaus Schwab. So what do you say? Let's go for it. This is Klaus Schwab, leader of the World Economic Forum, author of the book COVID-19, The Great Reset. That Klaus Schwab. Thanks also to the leadership of China in terms of fighting the pandemic, in terms of reinvigorating its economy. We have now a window of opportunity to create this global reset which we all need. This global reset is necessary because we have seen that our policies which we pursued before the coronavirus struck us, that those policies do not create the necessary inclusion of society necessary for harmonious societal development. And they do not create the sustainability of what we are doing. Just think of the global warming, how fast it is developing in the opposite into the negative direction. So we have a great opportunity at this moment, like we had after World War II, to have in some way a new beginning in our global cooperation, in globalization, in managing our global affairs. I hope that we will not miss this opportunity. So the policies that they were putting in place leading up to the pandemic were not enough. And the pandemic has proven that they need to bring in much more of that. They need to complete the global reset. This is the best opportunity to reset how the world works in terms of globalization since the end of World War II. Not since the end of World War II have these people had such a good opportunity to change everything about the world. Isn't that strange? World War II was the last time. This is an opportunity we can't miss. This is the chance for the global reset we know we need because of inclusivity and sustainability and global warming that just continues getting worse in the negative direction. Now, Klaus Schwab, who runs the World Economic Forum, we know he has young global leaders scattered around the governments of countries all across the globe. And they have a long list of global transnational corporations who are their partners. And they ascribe to the World Economic Forum Code of Conduct. 
that says you can never speak out against the World Economic Forum's agenda. You have to be supportive of the World Economic Forum's agenda all the time. All the partners, all the young global leaders, everybody. They work hand in hand with the United Nations and the WHO as all of these global governing bodies pursue the 2030 agenda and the Great Reset agenda. In fact, that's exactly what Build Back Better is. That's what the Green New Deal is. That's what critical race theory, all of these things are involved with putting that 2030 agenda into place. They have initiatives across 17 different aspects of society and the World Economic Forum with the UN and the WHO and all their global partner organizations, all the young global leaders, they are all tasked with putting this agenda in place. But I know that's a conspiracy theory. But is it? They say it. They tell you who's involved with it. And then they go out and try to do it. So while it may be a conspiracy, there's no theory involved. They're doing it. You can see it. And I know I'm going a little long today, but I want to share this piece because it's a fun one and because it's a good thing that media outlets are beginning to cover the World Economic Forum at greater length. This piece is from July 27th in the Australian Spectator. The headline is, The World Economic Forum, Heroes or Villains? In movies and television shows, we are often exposed to the story of good versus evil. Typically, the plot involves a hero doing everything in their power to stop the treacherous plans of the villain. We watch, we cheer, and we find satisfaction when the hero wins. We have seen this trope so often that society has become desensitized to the narrative, tragically unable to recognize it playing out in the real world. On January 24th, 1971, a German engineer and economist named Klaus Schwab founded a not-for-profit foundation called the World Economic Forum. Headquartered in Geneva, Switzerland, the organization described itself as, quote, independent, impartial, and not tied to any special interests. And uh, it's incredible, isn't it, that Klaus Schwab, the man who has taken upon himself the task of rearranging the entire world and changing the way that the entire population of the world is able to live their lives. It's crazy that that guy emerged from Germany during that period and believes that the coronavirus pandemic is our best opportunity since then to finally complete all the plans of the international order. But back to the article. Oh, the irony. Since its inception, the WEF has morphed into an international, non-governmental, closed-door lobbying organization with ties to most of the world's governments, bureaucracies, and businesses. Actually, ties is putting it lightly. The World Economic Forum has created training programs for future global leaders, many of whom now hold strategic positions in the world's governments and bureaucracies. Religion is not safe either, with Pope Francis listed as an agenda contributor. Regardless of which country you hail from, a quick look at your government will probably reveal WEF leaders, agenda setters, and contributors. If not directly involved, some of them have likely worked for partner businesses or within an integrated program. 
This incestuous international affair leads to individuals promoting the World Economic Forum agenda inside domestic politics in what would ordinarily be called a conflict of interest. As for whether or not the WEF agenda is evil, that depends on what you think of dismantling capitalism, private property, privacy, and liberty to replace it with a centralized, unelected global government that appoints itself. This agenda is not hidden. It is laid out in hundreds of thousands of pages, novels, forums, and lengthy promotional videos. Global protests in recent months staged directly against World Economic Forum interference have branded the organization sinister. Part of the World Economic Forum agenda can be read on their website. In 2022, their focus is on climate change, artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, education, employment, the metaverse, manufacturing, the digital economy, digital identity, trade, investment, health, energy, diversity, inclusion, and so on. This organization boasts that it has a plan to reshape every single aspect of society, to reset it, to build back better. Why? Macro managing the world is the realm of Bond villains and the worst of history's tyrants. And it always goes wrong. But maybe that is the point. Fortunes will change hands during the chaos. And once society has collapsed in on itself, it can be rebuilt in a profitable format. One where people are more easily controlled and elites enjoy an even more lofty position, ruling over the rest of us like the old feudal systems. Political dystopia is not a fantasy. They're going to make global socialism a reality. That sounds almost exactly like everything I have been saying on this podcast for the entirety of the podcast. I know it's a grand conspiracy theory, except that they're doing it and they're telling us they're doing it and we can observe them doing it. It's interesting that he says global socialism. That's only a couple steps to the right of the way I describe it more accurately. Global communism. He even mentioned how they want to resurrect the old feudal system. I've said that many times. I call it neo-feudalism. That is what is happening. A few months ago, Klaus Schwab stated, akin to a villain monologuing his master plan, what we are really proud of now is the young generation, like Prime Minister Trudeau, the president of Argentina, and so on. So we penetrate the cabinets. Not a great word choice if you are aiming to look heroic. Schwab followed up by saying that more than half of Trudeau's cabinet are from our young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. This is terrifyingly true. The young global leaders alumnus include French President Emmanuel Macron, New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister of Belgium, Alexander de Croo, and a whole host of other politicians occupying government positions. Also associated with the WEF, are famous names such as outgoing UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson and a sizable chunk of Tory MPs, most of which were contesting the leadership. If you are trying to avoid villain status, it is not a good idea to host your annual conference in a Swiss ski village. The speaker list for the Davos Agenda 2021 and 2022 included the now former German Chancellor Angela Merkel, Chinese President Xi Jinping, 
Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi, Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, Japanese Prime Minister Kishida Fumio, Indonesian Prime Minister Joko Widodo, UN Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez, and Managing Director of the International Monetary Fund, Kristalina Georgieva, and our very own Prime Minister Scott Morrison. Talk fests are one thing, but does the WEF have any real power? Increasingly, the answer is far too much. The 100 million farms project is central to a great deal of agricultural destruction. Take, for example, the Dutch farming industry. Farmers have been drastically impacted financially by inane climate policy enacted by the Dutch government, who have been desperate to live up to the WEF net zero climate agenda and UN sustainability goals. Farmers were told that due to high levels of ammonia resulting from runoff from their cows and in order to protect the mosquito population, they will need to lose 30% of their livestock. Mark Root, prime minister of the Netherlands, is an agenda contributor for the WEF. It was a similar story with Sri Lanka, where the WEF took down prime minister Ranil Wickremesinga's article This is how I will make my country rich by 2025 after civil conflict overthrew the government due to the banning of fertilizer for climate goals. And I read that article on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Poor and starving protesters were labeled as fascists by the regime. The UK government has followed their lead, announcing last year that it would pay older farmers to retire in exchange for their land. It is part of a measure to centralize ownership so that private farms are consolidated into a mix of government, business, and a handful of wealthy holders. That may not be what they advertise, but it is what happens. This takes us back to the World Economic Forum's chilling slogan, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Or in this case, as Nick Dixon of Lotus Eaters put it, you will sow nothing and you will be happy. In addition to agriculture, the WEF's involvement with the WHO has strengthened throughout the COVID pandemic, where partner businesses went into production of vaccines, PPE, and digital systems for vaccine passports. In an article published by the WEF on May 5th, 2021, what is a vaccine passport and will you need one next time you travel? It said, it is important that we rely on the normative body, the WHO to create the vaccine credential requirements. The forum is involved with the WHO task force to reflect on those standards and think about how they would be used. So the WHO, in coordination with the World Economic Forum, is going to determine what the vaccine passport is, what it's going to track, how much information will be involved, and then what activities you should be restricted from doing If you don't get the proper score on the vaccine tracker app, vaccine passports were used as a measure of control. The WEF in collaboration with the WHO are seeking to integrate their global digital identity platform, which Australia and other nations are bringing online with an international health pass system. The European Union are also implementing the EU digital COVID certificate valid only for nine months after an individual's second dose. Spreading acceptance for a digital vaccine passport has come in successive articles. According to an Ipsos survey, most adults agree with vaccine passports for travel. 
going as far as to say more than three quarters of people worldwide thinking they should be mandatory for travel. If one were to dig a little deeper, they would find that this survey was commissioned by the World Economic Forum, as stated by Ipsos. That it is reflective of majority global opinion seems unlikely. The let them eat bugs line is perhaps the most common phrase thrown in mocking at the WEF. This is due to their pursuit of dietary restriction for the general population based on carbon footprints. They also aim to destroy large sections of fresh agriculture and replace the market gap with artificial meat produced by chemical companies and bugs. Plant-based diets will be essential to the planet's future to protect biodiversity, claimed one article. Pope Francis has also told young Europeans that eating meat is self-destructive and bad for the environment. In an article written about the Pope's letter to the EU Youth Conference, a reference was also made to a study from the University of Helsinki, which suggested that eating meat grown in a lab and mashed up bugs is good for the environment. The WEF also have numerous articles about the dangers of climate change, including one that discusses the absurd idea that climate action will somehow lead to better inclusion. I could go on, but then this article would be far too long. Suffice it to say, bugs were not on the menu at the Davos event. The point of this piece is to demonstrate that the WEF agenda is not a conspiracy theory as laid out by the press. It is real. It is happening before our very eyes. Actual people are starting to starve. The World Economic Forum is enacting their agenda with the help of our politicians and their legislative power. Ultimately, they are the ones set to make a profit from public misery. It is crucial that every person who cares about their freedom, livelihoods, family, friends, and the general state of the world turns around and looks the WEF in the eye. Their agenda threatens our very way of life while their contempt for humanity is palpable. And you just heard it directly from Klaus Schwab himself. It is not a conspiracy theory. You can see it happening before your eyes. You know what their intentions are. You know they have infiltrated governments. You know who their transnational corporate partners are. You can watch those corporations implement the agenda. We know about their code of conduct. So we know that their full roster of partners are committed to this agenda. And we can take it even further than that. All of these organizations are backing the effort in Ukraine in coordination with actual military battalions comprised of actual Nazis. We know these very same people are responsible for the creation of the COVID-19 pandemic, the drugs used to treat it, the experimental gene therapy we were told would end it. And because it didn't end it, and in fact has made it worse on the people who are vaccinated, they've also made the drug that doesn't work in order to respond to it. And how does the German villain Klaus Schwab describe all of this? The best opportunity to transform society since the end of World War II. Apparently, his goals were not completed at the end of World War II. And why might that be? And how is it, by the way, that so many of these goals are exactly the same as the goals of the Nazis 
and these same globalists during World War II? How is it, for instance, that George Soros in his youth in Hungary admits to having helped the Nazis load his neighbors onto trains? How is any of this a conspiracy theory? Maybe it's just me. I'm dumb. I don't have the galaxy brain inside my skull. So maybe I should just scream and yell and tune back in to Morning Mika and the Man Baby. I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel-couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofi. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm Your Moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!